And uh, I told Dr. Henry Wells I got to do a uh, uh, TV program with him, uh, not a TV program, a radio program Wednesday, recorded it, and it will air uh, the week of December 4th through the 10th and uh, on KFIA AM 710. So they do a, a pastor of the pastor. They do a church of the week that they highlight a church every week. And so they asked us to come down and do it. So they'll be highlighting and running spots about our church, which is kind of fun leading up to Christmas. Amen. And, uh, but we got to do a program with Brother Henry. Love him. He pastored Farrell Presbyterian for 34 years. Just a great man of God, a real patriarch in our community. And, uh, but we're just talking about this generation. I said, I, I just believe in this younger generation. I believe they're going to carry the revival torch. Amen? Because that, that once they find something real, they're all in. And uh, so I'm excited for our young people and proud of them. Praise the Lord. Also, uh, starting next week, we're beginning going into, hard to believe next Sunday is already, we're heading into Christmas and all of that. So we're starting a special this year. We're doing five weeks of, of Advent and doing some special things in each service for that. Then we have the, the, the uh, starting next Sunday. Then on December 3rd, the Teen Choir Challenge is coming here. Uh, I mean, the Teen Challenge Choir, Teen Choir Challenge, yeah. It's a challenge to be in that choir, praise the Lord. But it, uh, they're going to be with us, and it's powerful. How many know Christmas is about a Savior? And you're going to be overwhelmed by the testimonies of these young people and what God has done in their lives. So we're so excited to, uh, to have Cameron and Deborah Joy be bringing them up to be with us for that service. And then uh, we're really, we have a couple other things we're planning, but really excited. So we're praying about what to do. Christmas Eve is on Sunday, so I thought, what can we do? And I said, well, our dear friend Lisa Daggs just put out a brand new Christmas CD. So I said, what would be better on Christmas Eve than to have her come and do a Christmas Eve concert for us for our Christmas Eve service? So we have a special service with Lisa and Ronnie, going to be a great, great day, so you can invite some friends to be a part of that. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Well, let me just give you a, a couple of things real quick before we jump into this this morning, just give you an update kind of on where we are, and uh, as we talked about our building program and in this area, so if we could just show you this, um, many people have come here and said, well, I'm not sure where what our building is and whatever. So when we talk about buying this property and moving forward, really what we're talking about, if you haven't been around the whole facility, there's three sets of buildings. Um, if I can get my mouse over here and find it. There it is. Um, this right now is where you're sitting. You're sitting right here in this building right now and uh, then our classroom. So this is 7,200 square feet that we have right here. And then we have this area down here and upstairs, this little L area right here is the only place of this building that we don't occupy. And then the back of this is all open for parking, additional parking uh, that, that is available to the future there. And, uh, but this area right here, this building here is 12,600 square feet. This middle building, uh, Suite H, is our fellowship hall right now where the kitchen is in that area. This uh, uh, suite right here is our uh, G, is the youth hall. This is the uh, conglomerated warehouse in the back back there if you peeked in there but it's a mess back there this is the tenant in the front here rescue engineering and that and uh, then this building over here this building is 9600 square feet this building is in the back back here the small buildings up against our parking lot and the church parking lot sits up here on this side adjacent to that but uh, then we have the front half of this building, too. So we use about 17,000 square feet. Between all three of these buildings, there's 24,500 square feet of building. How many know that's a lot of space? Amen. And so we have a projected plan. When we leased this space years ago, what we've done is every year we moved into this suite right here first. And uh, then we leased half of this space right here, 4,200 square feet and 2,400 square feet. And then this 3,000 square feet became available. We moved into it. And then this space became available. We took it over. This space became available. We took it over. So every time somebody's moved out, we've taken over. And uh, so now we use about 17,000 square feet of this facility in that capacity. And then so what we'd like to do, our plans, when we took over the middle building, this is that center building. This would be that middle building where the youth hall is. This is the fellowship hall right now. How I many know this little entryway is a little cramped? You get 12 people out there and you get claustrophobic and that. So it'd be, our goal is, is that we would, we originally drew this up and then the fire marshal said if we wanted to do this, we'd have to sprinkle this building. And so sprinkling a building that you're renting is not feasible. It's about $100,000 to sprinkle the building. 
So we already have about $400,000 worth of TIs into this building. So imagine somebody renting your house and remodeling it for you. Wouldn't that be nice? Well, basically, we've kind of done that here. But uh, moving forward, the bank is giving us credit for the TIs that we've done, which helps us in, uh, in, in our financing. But this would be, half of this is already the youth hall, and then the back half of this we'd just gut and finish off. But this would give us a 400-seat sanctuary. What is now the fellowship hall would be our foyer. How I many know oh, that'd be all right? And so you'd have access from both sides of the parking lot through double doors into the sanctuary. So from the back side of that building, this side, you'd be able to access the sanctuary. This would be a, uh, the women's bathroom would have three stalls in it and uh, plus two sinks. And this would be a nursery, um, a nursing room in here and a baby nursery with the access door into the bathroom, which would be good. The men's bathroom would be put on the back side of this right here. This bathroom would be rearranged. This would become a five-foot hallway all the way to the end here. And then we would have three classrooms. So all the children's classrooms that are in here, everything would be in that middle building all together and would work out awesome. Amen? Amen. And uh, so that's our proposal. And that's where we're going. Then down here, the outside of these buildings, we get rid of the butt-ugly metal and we would put a beautiful stucco <laughs> coat on the outside of this. I'm ready to be, get out to take the ugly off of this building. Amen? And so we've tried to make it as nice as possible on the inside, but it's just ugly outside. And uh, so we'll fix that. Praise the Lord. I mean, if Phyllis Diller can have 35 facelifts, we can fix this building. Amen? <laughs> Hallelujah. So uh, it'll be a good thing. Praise the Lord. And uh, so we're excited about that. And uh, if I can find my mouse again over here, come back. Praise the Lord. Amen. Does that make perfect sense? Amen. Help a little bit. Just give you an idea. Most time we don't see what we have or what we're talking about or what we're doing. But uh, then if you do any market research and find out what facilities cost, and every person we talk to, to be able to buy this facility for $51 a square foot, I'm getting amazed. Most houses right now are selling for $225 to $245 a square foot to buy a house. So to be able to buy a commercial building of this magnitude for $51 a square foot, how many know that's the favor of God? Amen. So we're thankful for that. Amen. And uh, when you, if you put that in perspective, our parking lot up there, we have that one-acre parking lot. That appraises for $350,000. Okay, almost $400,000. High-end $400,000. $10.25 a square foot puts it at $399,000 for that parking lot. Okay. To be able to buy this for $1,250,000, that's like a fifth of that. So that's amazing that just a parking lot compared to the building. So it's a great deal. Could you say amen? amen? And so we get to take credit for all the money. It's sad when you rent something and have to walk away. But this way we get to take, get the, the asset of everything we put in here moving forward. How I many know oh, this will make a great youth hall? Yeah. So we'll stick the kids over here. We'll move over there. Praise the Lord. And uh, we'll have a great time. Amen? Hallelujah. Good stuff. If you have your Bibles, uh, you can open up, and we're going to go through a few scriptures. You can turn to John chapter 17. These next few moments, I want to talk to you about knowing God. And uh, for time's sake in this service, I won't be able to read all the scriptures completely with you as we did in first service. But uh, I, I put them all there so you can follow along and uh, read them in your own time together. But to um, a goal is there's a difference that we're going to look at between learning about God and truly knowing God. Amen? There, there's a real difference. And uh, studying about God, going through Bible studies, getting knowledge about God, that's all good or understanding, but head knowledge versus truly knowing God on the inside. Father, I thank you this morning in these next few moments we have together that you will do something supernatural by your Holy Spirit. I pray that you will come into our midst. Holy Spirit, that you will be the teacher that we need in our lives. Jesus said you would come and you would take the things that are his and reveal them, show them to us, that we would be able to know them, comprehend, understand them, and hold them within us. So today we ask you to do just that. Cause our eyes to see, our ears to hear, and our hearts to receive. In Jesus' name, And somebody said? Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Knowing God. Jeremiah 29 and verse 13 says, And you shall seek me and find me when you search for me with what? Your, all your heart. Not your head. 
but with your heart. So many times, and, and everything about it, you live in a sense world. We see, we touch, we taste, we smell. Everything is natural. We're told, you know, how does that, people ask, how does that make you feel? Well, really, who cares? It, it, is it true or is it not true? So we get so obsessed with our feelings, with our emotion. Wow, that, that doesn't make me feel good. I refuse to live by just my feeling. If you want to live the lowest level, be an emotionally controlled person. You'll be a mess your whole life. God doesn't call us to live by emotions. He calls us to live by truth. Are you with me? We're called to live by truth and to know the truth. Praise the Lord. So that's where we want to live. So John uh, uh, chapter 17, if you're there waiting for me to get there, I have mine highlighted or marked so I can turn there real fast. John 17, beginning in verse 1, and Jesus spoke these words, lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that your son may also glorify you as you have given him authority over all flesh that he should give eternal life to as many as you have given him. Verse 3, and this is eternal life. Somebody say this is. This is eternal life that they may know you. Listen to Jesus. This is eternal life that they may know you. That they would know you. That they may, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I have glorified you on the earth. I have finished the work which you have given me to do. And now, Father, glorify me together with yourself with the glory which I had with you before the world was. If you have your Bibles, go with me to Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 17. And I'll start reading as you're turning there. Or you can follow along later. But verse Peter, I mean, Paul praying in Ephesians chapter 1 for the church. He says that the, verse 17, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom. Somebody say the spirit of wisdom. That he would give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. That God would give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. So there's a knowing and an understanding that can only come into your life and my life by revelation or God making himself known and revealing himself to it. Chapter 4 and verse 13, Paul says this. He says, until we all come, or verse 12 says that the, the purpose, my purpose as a pastor in the fivefold ministry is to equip the saints and to grow them up for the purpose of equipping the saints for the work of the ministry, for the calling of the body, of, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Verse 13, till we all come to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God. So there's a knowledge to be gained about who the Son of God is and all that is in Christ to a perfect man to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. How many know what we're talking about here is an inward work on the inside of us? And so we're going to go through this this morning, and I'm giving you a lot of foundation, so it's important for you just to catch it with me for a moment. Turn a few pages to your right to Philippians chapter 3, and beginning in the seventh verse, Paul says, but what things were gained to me, these I have counted lost for Christ, but indeed I count all things, all all things lost, for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them as rubbish, that I may gain Christ, and be found not having my own righteousness, but that which is from the law, but that which is through faith in... Or, uh, or that which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith. Verse 10, that I may know him, the power and the power of his resurrection, and the fellowship of his suffering, being conformed to his death. Now let me put this in perspective. We just sang what a powerful name it is. Death could not hold you. The grave could not keep you. You triumphed over all that. That needs to be not just something we sing. That needs to be a living reality that sparks our faith in life. But, but, but that doesn't come just by getting some words in our head. That only comes and becomes a reality when we know that on the inside. See, I know that I know that I'm saved. I know that I'm born again. I know that I'm filled with the Holy Ghost. You're too late. I already have an experience. I already have a biblical experience. I speak with other tongues. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
I, I already know that God is a healer. Amen. I, I, I know that he is a healer. Why? He said, Pastor, how can you know that you know that he healed? Because when I had third degree burns on my arm, God grew new skin. While they were getting ready to do skin graft, the doctor said, you don't need this operation. New skin is growing on your arm. Come on, I've experienced the healing power of God. I know that I know that I know. And when you know some things on the inside, it changes the way you look at life. It changes and it ignites your faith to believe God. It changes what you say. And it changes how you respond to the circumstances of life. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Go there with me. Are you doing all right? 1 Corinthians chapter 2. I might have to go pretty fast. So if I go fast, you just have to get the CD and play it in slow motion. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 7, but we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery. Hear this. We speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages for our glory. Listen to what Paul said. We're speaking to you a hidden wisdom that's been hidden from the ages that God has ordained for your glory. Wow. Watch this. Verse 8. But we, none of the rulers of this age knew, for had they known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, I have not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered in the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. But look at verse 10. But God has revealed them to us through his what? Through his spirit. God reveals these things to us by his spirit. That means you can't go to Bible school and get it. You, you can't go online and get it. You can't study. You're not just going to get it by reading, and, and that opens up, and all that's necessary, we do that. But knowledge from God comes by revelation, God speaking to our spirit. And you're going to see in a moment how important the spirit is in our life. But watch this. For the, yea, the spirit searches all things, yea, the deep things of God. Look down at verse 12. Now, we have not received the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. Or there's to be a knowing on the inside of you. When you are born again, except Christ is your Savior, your spirit is now made alive unto God. And out of your spirit, man, there's a knowing on the inside of you. Look at the cover of your outline with me, and uh, we'll dive into this. The desire behind every question of our life is to know God. Something in us searches for the knowledge of the holy. We live our lives on a quest for truth with our minds when the answer can only be revealed to our heart. People keep trying to get smarter and smarter, and you look around our world, and I'm telling you, we're just stuck on stupid. Amen. When we close our hearts to God, all we are left with is the unfulfilled reason of our mind. When we close our hearts to God, we end up being left with His unfulfilled reason in our mind. First, Corinthians, First Timothy, you can write these verses down. I didn't put them in your outline. First Timothy chapter 2 and verse 4. You can write it there on your outline. Paul says that, that God desires that every man to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. First Timothy 2, 4. God desires every man to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. Second Timothy chapter 3 and verse 7 says, Ever increasing in knowledge, speaking of people who are ever increasing in knowledge, but never coming to the knowledge of the truth. So you can increase in learning and natural knowledge, but never really arrive at the truth. But the will of God is that we all come into the knowledge of the truth in our life. Are you with me? So get this. Man was created by God, who is spirit, Man was created by God who is spirit. Man was made in the image of God, a spirit being, not just a soul. We can only know God by our spirits, not our soul. Knowing God in spirit is what renews our minds. See, when I know God in the spirit, something gets birthed on the inside of me, and all of a sudden it starts to renew the way I think. Are you with me? And so that's why Jesus said to Nicodemus, Nicodemus comes to him in John chapter 3 and saying, Master, we know you're a teacher. People are plotting against you. And the Lord just looks at him and said, Oh, Nicodemus, you need to be born again, Bubba. He goes, What? What do you mean? Born again? Do I go back in? And through that whole conversation, then Jesus says, Hey, what's born of the flesh is, and what's born of the spirit is. And so when we're born again, our spirits are made alive unto God, and God begins revealing himself 
to our spirit and begins to renew our mind. See, the very reason you are here today is because of the quest for truth that's in your heart. Or, I might better say, your spirit. See, look, you're here because of your desire to know. Whoop, went too fast. Knowing God is the seeking of the heart, not the understanding of the mind. To know God is to seek Him, as Jeremiah said, with all your heart. You search me and you find me when you seek me with all your heart. Not just your head, but with your heart. Amen. Many of you are like me. Pastor Sue and I have been married 38 years. And I'm still seeking to understand her. <laughs> Amen. She's given up on me because I'm past understanding. Amen. <laughs> But anyway, but, but the joy is, is that it's a seeking process. And you go on, and through all these years together, it's exciting because if you keep seeking to know somebody and to know them at the depths of their heart and really to come into a true relationship, not just to think you think you know about somebody, but to really to know them, then in that process things are revealed and things are opened up to you, and then you find out there's another depth and another depth to that person. Are you with me? And you keep pressing into that relationship. That's the way walking with God is. What happens to us as Christians, we get to a level where we think we know God and we just become religious know-it-alls. And if I ever get to that place in my marriage, if I quit learning my maid and learning my spouse, then at that point, I've just cut myself off. I'm no longer teachable. And so I'm headed for trouble or for a collapse. Amen. And if I cut myself off in God, then I'm no longer teaching, which means God no longer can reveal himself to me in a greater measure. So these mysteries and the great things of God are there and being prepared for us and available. I can't receive them because I already know it all. Are you doing all right? So let's break through, let's break through that. So you're here. But God only reveals himself to open heart, not to inquire mind. Genesis 1.26, and God said, let us make man in our image and after our likeness. And God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him, male and female. You're made in the image of God, which means you are a spirit being. You were created to be a spirit being. I mean, no, Paul said, walk in the spirit and you will not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. Walk in the spirit and you will not fulfill the lusts of the flesh or natural side of your life. And that's the area of our mind, our will, our emotions, our appetites, our desires. I mean, no, those things are contrary to God. But there's another life by the spirit. But to walk by the spirit is not natural. It is unnatural to us. So we have to be unnatural people. See, the Bible says we're in the world, but we're not why? Because the world is caught up in everything natural, everything sensual, everything touching, every, every app, every advertisement comes online and it entices your eyes. And it stirs up your appetites to have things, to partake of things, and, and it, it appeals to you on a natural level. When was the last time there was an advertisement that just came on and said, seek God? Amen. To stir something godly up on the inside. But it always brings us down to our lowest base level of appetite. Are you with me? And just self-fulfilling, gratifying pleasure. And we find ourselves, I need that. Well, not really. I want that. I probably don't need that. Are you with me? So God is trying to get himself to it and us to understand that we're made in his image. See, man and the earth were created by God and formed with purpose. God formed. Think about that. God formed. I, I love this picture because it shows creation just coming out of God, how God fashioned and he formed. The earth was formed to be the place where man would live and know God. God formed this earth so you and I could live here and that we would know him in a living, interacting relationship with our heavenly father, our creator. Not just our creator. Making God just our creator is some term but he introduces himself as father that's what jesus says our father amen so god in a real relationship see man was to live by knowing not learning do you understand that you and i were to live out of a knowing not just learning amen so what does that mean it has never been god's intention that we just learn of him and never know him 
Amen. I did the radio program, and, 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 and uh, Dr. Henry Well read my bio off the website. He started talking to me back. Oh, I see you. And we've been friends for quite a while, but he read some of my background, so he's talking about different things. So he has knowledge of me. He learned a few things about me, but does that mean that he knows me? What about you and I? See, we, we can read God's bio. We can read about God, but do I know him? Am I convinced of him? Listen, what Paul, think what Paul said. We read in Philippians 3. Here's a man, if you go back up to chapter 1 in Philippians, he says, Paul, he, 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 I mean, verse 1, he goes back and he begins to give his pedigree and, and, and that. And he says, I, Paul, a Hebrew of the Hebrews, circumcised the eighth day of the tribe of Benjamin, a Pharisee of the Pharisee. Or he says, I'm a man of stature. I'm a man of education in position and authority. Persecuting the church according to the law, I was blameless. And so here's a man of great education, great knowledge, great preparation in his life. And then he gets down to verse 7 and says, I'm throwing it all away that I would know him. Because out of all my education, out of all my training, I'm convinced of this. I've learned a lot, but I don't know God. And knowing him is worth throwing everything away. Are you with me this morning? Something breaks through in our life when we get a desire and an appetite to know God. What that meant is there's a vast difference between what we know and what we learn. Hallelujah. See, knowing God, John 17, 3, as we read, and this is the way to have eternal life, by knowing you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, the one you sent to earth. See, what we, what we think that if we've learned something, that it's the same as knowing, and of knowing something, and this is not true. I learned this. Learning about something doesn't mean I know it. It just means I learned something. Are you with me? The problem is, is play on words and semantics that get us confused. So we're supposed to be spiritual people, not just natural people. Genesis 2.15, and the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, of every tree of the garden, thou mayest eat. Now think about this. Man's original dominion is set before Adam. Man's created, he's set in the garden in this original play, and man was created to have dominion and authority. Then he had a depth of knowledge from God to be able to name every creature that, brought, that God brought before him. Here's Adam at the beginning, and God creates all this, sets him there, and said, brings all these animals. Say, hey, Adam, give him a name. First of all, who taught him how to talk? Where did Adam get language? Where do you get knowledge? Where do you get, how would he know that that is a hippopotamus? Most of us can't even spell it. <laughs> do you understand what I'm saying? So, so wait a minute. Where did Adam go to school? Where did he learn to do what he did? Where did he get the knowledge to know how to tend the garden and to keep it? Where did he get the knowledge to know how to walk in dominion and authority? What happened? God put a knowing on the inside of him. When you are born of God, you are created. Paul says, hey, and you are of God, and you have the mind of Christ. There is an inner man on the inside of you. Paul said it like this to the church at Corinth. Though our outward man is perishing... The inward man is renewed day by day. Wouldn't it be amazing what would happen in America if the church got, is caught up in keeping care of our new man as we do is trying to preserve our old man? Amen. We spend so much money on vitamins and preservatives. Some of us, they could put us in the ground. We wouldn't rot for 40 years. <laughs> Amen. We have so much stuff on the inside. Bless God. This thing ain't going nowhere. Amen. But that isn't the way it's supposed to be. That's not the way it's supposed to be. But, but, but our inward man, when it comes, when something rises up against us, where's the faith to believe God, to see the power of God, to believe that we can lay our hands on the sick and they will recover, to believe that we can speak and declare things, to believe that we can reach the lost of our community, to believe that we can make a difference and build the kingdom of God for the glory of God in the earth. Well, I don't know if I'm called to do that, but my body's going to be here a long time. <laughs> hallelujah so this was not learned knowledge that Adam had so what happened the power of a choice happened 
the power of a choice. Man was not created as a mindless robot. God created man with a choice. He was created to know God and with the ability to choose God or not to choose God. And so two trees, <coughs> excuse me, created the choice between knowing <coughs> and learning. One tree was called the tree of life. The other tree was called the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And through the fall of man, what's passed on to you and I, we are born with the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil on the inside of us. And we live our lives making decisions. Is this good? Is that good? Uh, this is bad. It's not that bad. It's, you know, it's okay. It's pretty good. And we do everything out of the knowledge of good and evil instead of out of life. But when we're born again, we're able to partake of the tree of life and live by the fruit of life, not be limited by the tree of knowledge. Man was not created to be governed by whether something is good or evil. Man was created to live by his spirit. Amen. Isn't it amazing that God said, I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit and my life. And he's going to be life flowing, a river of life, of living water flowing out. God gives us life. He doesn't just make us smart. You doing okay? All right, watch it. And so what happens? The tree of knowledge and good and evil, you shall not eat it. For the day you eat thereof, you shall surely die. So here is man spiritually alive. But then the day that he eats of the fruit of this tree, he becomes spiritually dead. And now he's fully naturally alive. And that's where you and I live. We are born into a natural world with natural life. And now we have to have a paradigm shift and a transformation. We go, wait a minute, I'm not just a natural man. I am a spirit man. And I'm going to live and be led by my spirit, not just my emotions. How you been? So many times, so much of what happens goes on around here and, and how we get affected and, and we get so emotional about everything. And the moment we get into our emotion, the devil wins every battle. Every battle. Every battle. Once emotions take over, it, there's no sense having a discussion. Once people are emotional, how many know what I'm talking about? Once emotions start ruling the conversation, you might as well just back up and let it run its course. Or you can try, but you'll probably get slapped in the meantime. Hallelujah. <laughs> well, watch this. So what happened? Think about it. God placed the creation of his hands into man's hands. God created this world, and he placed it into our hands. He gave man dominion and authority. He says, here, I created this, and I'm putting this in your hand. That's why God has to do everything through our life. God wants to do great things in the earth, but he wants to do it through your life and through my life. So God has been looking for people. Think about it. The eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth that he might find a man on whose behalf he might show himself strong. And every time men and women, you read your Bible, every time men and women come into agreement with God that God... God wants to do something in the earth through their life. And he asks them, give me authority to run through your earth. God says this, give me your tithes and offerings and watch if I will not flow through your life in a greater way. Everything God asks us to do in obedience to him opens a door for him to work through our life. But he says, I need you. I gave you the authority. I need you to invite me in. Are you doing all right? So, watch it. So then, here we are. Man made his choice. The temptation was not the fruit, but the promise to be as God. The devil says, in the day, God knows, in the day you eat of this tree, you will be as God. You will be just like he is. That's like telling your kids, hey, go up there and get an In-N-Out burger, and the day you eat it, you'll be just like your parents. Eat this apple pie and you'll be just like your dad. No, you can't eat something on the outside that makes you different than who you are on the inside. Come on, your kids are already created in your image. They already have your DNA, but they made the choice to become. Man made the choice to move from being to becoming. And that's where we live today. We're always trying to become like God. Let me tell you right now, the moment you, be, you are born again, you are born into the image of God. You're made again and fashioned in His likeness. You're alive with the Spirit of God on the outside, on the inside. Is this all right? Okay, watch it. 
And so he now lives under the curse of trying to become in defiance of his own conscience. So where do we live? We live constantly trying to become. What are we trying to do? We try to become better Christians. Better people, better this. We are on the inside. So if I ever, you and I, if we ever get to the place where we just believe and we begin to know who we are on the inside, it changes and transforms everything about our life. See, knowing versus learning is this. Adam walked in the place of knowing. He knew God. He knew Eve. He knew creation. He was being led by his spirit and the truth that was in him. His conscience was guiding him. And there had to be a knowing on the inside of him that was not learned but placed there by God. I want to tell you today, there's more on the inside of you than you realize right now. God Almighty lives on the inside of you. When you receive Him, you receive His life. All that He is, is in you. Think about it. For when the Gentiles who do not have the law by nature do the things in the law, these, although not having the law, are a law to themselves, who show the work of the law written in their heart, their conscience also bearing witness between themselves, their thoughts accusing or excusing them in the day when God will judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ according to my gospel. Or Paul says people, everybody, has a knowledge of God on the inside. It's an amazing thing. I heard uh, Ray Comfort doing a thing with a group of atheists and taking a, 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 a magazine and giving it to them. And said, open that magazine, had all these pictures and everything in it, beautiful magazine. He says, imagine that just fell out of nowhere and became a book. That just came out of nothing. Is it possible, could that just show up out of nothing? No. And he went back through there. But see, something in us knows that we didn't just come from nothing. Something inside of us, our inner conscience, even people who don't know the law have a conscience that guides them in making right and wrong choices. We know deep down inside we're connected to God. And what I'm saying today, so many people struggle in their walk with God. And I said in first service in here, God put this on my heart all this week. Because people live, keep trying to learn, and then they get frustrated. And then the devil comes along. Look, you're reading, you're studying, you're doing all this learning, but you're not seeing anything happen in your life. And he gets us to approach God just in our mind. But wait a minute, I'm not just reading my Bible so I can get some more knowledge in my head. I'm not trying to win a debate with somebody. I I'm opening my spirit. The Word of God, Jesus said, the words I speak to you. They are spirit and they are life. I'm listening to this word because when I receive that word, it gets into my spirit and it causes life to grow on the inside of me. And, and I'm, I'm trying to get to the place where I'm wall to wall, Holy Ghost on the inside. I mean, God fills me, but I want to live in an awareness that God Almighty dwells on the inside of me and I don't have to be moved by the conditions of my mind or what's going on around me. Wait a minute. My Bible says everything in this world is temporal and subject to change. Well, if it's subject to change, then by the voice and the leading of the Holy Spirit, I can speak creative words into this earth, and God can use me, and I can declare something. I can declare my children are saved. They are healed. They're going to serve God. I can declare healing over people in their life. I can speak and declare the Word of God. Because I have a knowing on the inside. I know God has saved me, delivered me, redeemed me. That gets down on the inside of me. But we'll sit it down. I don't know what I'm going to do. What's going to happen? What's going to go? Wait a minute. I know where the answer is. I know where it is. Think about it. Man's choice produced his separation from God. He spent his time trying to understand what he was meant to know from the beginning. From the beginning, God created you to know him. That's why Jesus said, this is eternal life. That they would know you. God wants you to know Him in His fullness more than you want to know Him. He wants you to know Him. Not to have questions. Not to have reserves of doubt. Jesus said, hey, learn of me. Come and learn of me. We learn and then try to know. Learn knowledge and acquired taste most often war against the truth inside of us battle what we've learned that's that's why it's better to get young people saved why do we try to get you to work with kids because if we can reach young people people say well why do you have a lord's gym why do you go all that money spend all that money for a lord's gym because we want to reach them before we have to rescue them 
We want to reach them with the truth before we have to rescue them out of failure and out of disaster. Are you listening to me? And people say, oh, well, you know what? I just don't want to be, you know, because in reaching kids and taking a stand and reaching out and investing, people say, well, why is the effort? Because the only thing at stake is the rest of their life. When it comes to parenting and doing stuff, be any kind of parent you want, but the only thing you're playing with is the rest of their life. I got rocked so hard when we were pastoring our first church and, and I did a message on the glory of virginity and in that service, a little 14-year-old freshman girl came to that youth service pushing a baby stroller with a little newborn baby in it and saying, Pastor, can God restore the glory of my virginity? Here's a little girl from a broken home at 14 years of age who is a mother and the only thing it has affected is the rest of her life. And we can do something about it. Amen? But we acquire taste, we require knowledge, and we call what we've learned what we know. And we can learn anything, but we were created to know the truth. Jesus said in John chapter 8, my word, he, he said, if you continue in my word, then you are my disciples indeed, and you will know the truth. And the truth will set you free. Think about it. And Daniel and the Hebrew children, they were taken into captivity. They came to them and said, hey, we're going to give you this food. We're going to prepare you for service to the king. You are a captive. We're preparing you to serve the king. What will God do in the lives of those who don't compromise? Men who will not learn the ways of this world. Men who will not acquire a taste for the delicacies of the king. See, one of the hardest things to do is purge from our lives the things which we've acquired a taste for. Think about that. The things we get a taste for. See, we get saved and we think, just think about every indulgence in your life. Think about every addiction people acquire. But all the different things. Everyone is an acquired taste over time. How many ever smoked in your life besides me? How many just, just fell in love with that on the first puff? Oh man, I was meant to do this. Well, I've been looking for this my whole life. Glory to God. No, it's repulsive. You cough, gag your lungs out. <laughs> alcohol, you taste alcohol. How did, I, how did I become a heroin addict? Because of one taste after another taste, after another taste, after another taste. Isn't it funny? People say, oh, hey, d d here, c come on and have a taste. That's what we used to say. People would share their drugs. Hey, could I have a taste? Could I have a taste? It's amazing. You know the scriptures when it says train up a child in the way that they should go when they're old they won't depart thereof. Yeah. You know if you go back and trace that word back to taste in the Hebrew it actually means to touch the tongue. So you dip something and you touch your tongue and you give them an acquired taste for truth. You touch the tongue of your children with truth. You give them acquired a taste for truth and when they grow up they go hey I recognize that taste. That's truth. I recognize that. But see, what happens is we get acquired taste for them and things that were unnatural to us, but we got an acquired taste. And now we come into God and God says, hey, all those things are detractors and they pull away from your spirit and, and, and all these different things. They're going to drain you. You're not going to be able to live to the fullness that I have for you. Oh, but God, I really like it because you have an acquired taste over time. But God's offering you life over a substitute. Amen. The purpose behind each one is to re-identify you. Their purpose is at the end, is that at the end of time to qualify you to serve before the king of this world. Daniel and the three Hebrew children were being qualified to serve the king. First Timothy, Second Timothy chapter 2 says this, that there are people who have been taken captive by the devil to do his will. Amazing thought to think. So what do we do? The question is, what if we opened our hearts to him as a child? Jesus then prayed and he said this prayer. Oh, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, thank you for hiding truth from those who think themselves to be wise and clever and for revealing it to the childlike. Yes, Father, it pleased you to do it this way. My Father has given me authority over everything. No one really knows the Son except the Father. And no one really knows the Father except the Son and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal himself. Come on, when I open my heart, the Lord is waiting to show himself to you, to reveal himself to you in his fullness and all that he is. Don't become content 
just to learn about God in your head. Be like Paul. Say, God, I, I want to know you. I could put everything aside that I could know you. God, I, I want to know your presence in my life. I, I want to know you in such a way that when I'm up against it, I can shut everything down, shut everything off, and just step into your presence, knowing that you will receive me, knowing that you will cover me, knowing that you will speak to me, knowing that you will strengthen me, knowing that you will provide for me, knowing that you will direct me, knowing that you will bring peace over my life, knowing that you will calm my storm, knowing that you will cause me to rise up with wings of eagle, knowing that you will renew me and strengthen me for the moment and the hour that I'm in. God, I want to know you. Something happened when I stir up a desire to know him. So let me ask you this. Is there a child left in you? Oh, look at Freddie praying with his doggy. So cool. It's awesome. And you know what? Both Freddie and the dog believe they could ask God for anything. And he'll answer. What do you believe you can ask God for? Do you believe He hears you and He will answer? Do you have that knowing on the inside? Knowing? See, we call what we've learned what we know. And I said we can learn anything, but we were created to know the truth. Truth is revealed to the heart of a child. So here's where we go. What could happen in your life if you decided to reach out to His love for you and desired to know Him? comes when a challenge comes. You know, this Bible has over 7,000 promises in it. And I can read all the promises. How, how many of you had, had that little bread box on your kitchen table? My mom had one growing up. It was a little bread box. It was called Precious Promises. And every day you picked up the little card and you read it and then you put it to the back of the box and you picked it up and read it and the promises of God. And we'd read them and we'd pick them up, read them and move them. The test was after you read it, do you believe it? Do you know, do, do you have a knowing inside of you that God will do it? If you decided to reach out to His love for you and desire to know Him. As I close, God's purpose for man has always been peace in life. But something happened. The problem has been the separation caused by sin. God made a way for us through the cross of His Son. And our response to his love is to receive Christ and get back on the path of peace and life. And that's where we begin. The cross makes a way. Amen. We're going to do a Christmas program is entitled, What Child Is This? Who is this child? What child is this? Jesus came to be our Savior, our Deliverer to build that bridge between man and get man back in fellowship relationship with God knowing God loved us that he gave his son that we could believe in him and have eternal life and Jesus said that eternal life is knowing who the father is so here's my question knowing God begins with believing how much he loves you and gave for you and knowing God begins with you opening your heart to him would you stand with me this morning Sue and I have been pastoring for 36 years this year. You'd be amazed how many people I've met that can talk about God, that have amazing, have amassed massive content of head knowledge about God. But a knowing in the heart, knowing in the heart. See, there's something that happens when I cross that bridge of saying God I'm no longer content just to hear I, I, I love going to seminar I, I love going and hearing the word I, I love studying I love reading I, I read books I probably need to write a couple and doing that but and I, and I love reading I love studying God I love listening to about God but more than just getting it and hearing it and being able to talk about it I want it to get inside of me I want it to be a knowing that that truly is transforming me that when I'm up against situation I know that God is going to show up the God that I know 
How could I illustrate it? Daniel refused to comply. He refused to give up praying. And people had conspired a trap to get rid of him because they were jealous of his influence. And they said, we know Daniel won't compromise and quit praying. So this is what we're going to do. We're going to trap him. So they caught Daniel not compromising. And now the judgment was he's to be thrown into the lion's den. And so they get ready to throw him in. And the king is upset. And he goes, Daniel, is it going to be all right? And Daniel says, the God whom I serve, the God that I know will be with me. And Daniel was able to go in the lion's den with a knowing on the inside of him. that kept him alive through the night. And when Darius opened up the thing, Daniel, is it well? He says, I'm all right. Get me out of here. And he brought him out. And this is what he said. He made the decree. The God who Daniel serves, he is God. And I'm telling you, if we get this and we start living by this, it's going to bring an influence in those around us. When I don't just, just ahead and talking about God, arguing about, well, I believe it says this. I believe. Good. God bless you. Amen. But live by knowing. Bow your heads with me this morning. Maybe you're here today. God so wants you to know Him. He so wants you to come into relationship with Him and fellowship and know that you know that you know on the inside that you can be saved, that you can be filled with the Spirit, that you can be the healed of the Lord, you can be delivered, you can be set free, you can have peace in your life, you can have a calm to every storm in the midst of it all. Think about Jesus. Jesus knew who He was. And the Bible says that in the midst of the storm, when everybody thought they were going to die, Jesus was in the back of the boat asleep. God wants you to have that knowledge of Him in your life. So when you're in the midst of a storm, instead of staying up all night in anxiety and stress and worry, instead of having to take a sleeping pill or something else, you lay your head on the pillow and say, Father, I know that you are my God. I know in whom I am believe. I'm able to rest tonight knowing that you are watching over me. You cause all things to work together for good. I'm not going to frustrate the grace of God. I'm going to find my place of rest in you. And you invite God in. And you lay your head down. And you have a great night's sleep. And you wake up the next morning. And you open your eyes and say, okay, God, let's move forward. Let's get the victory.